glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him at the corner of Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast, brought to you by the Pulse Podcasting Network and me, Matt Bruning. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. It is another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable. Uh, got a pretty fun one for you today. Dennis, again, will be joining me here in just a minute, and we will be recapping the tight ends for the 2018 season. Uh, not a lot of guys going on, or not a lot of guys really did anything last year based on that class uh, but we will touch on those guys maybe see uh, where we had them ranked obviously and then where we see them going from there I know there's one guy that I had ranked outside my top five that I think I might put right toward the top of the class for this uh, this group as he really kind of balled out toward the end there and uh, after that we'll jump into our 2019 ranks for the tight end class in the draft this year after which we'll do a little trade talks got a couple trades sent to us by some of our listeners here the other day we'll go ahead and jump in and talk about those rate those give us uh, give you guys our opinions on it and what we think you guys should do with uh, the trades that you sent us and last but not least it's finally here finally here just a couple sleeps away uh the super bowl between the los angeles rams and the new england patriots down in atlanta we will be doing some uh, either ors on some of the players some of the guys that we think uh, will have impacts in this game would we rather take this player or that player uh, with the either or segment we'll talk about those and then we'll give you guys kind of our breakdowns on wh- the way we think the game is going to go and then give you guys our winners since this will be the last podcast we do before the actual game on Sunday and I can't wait I really do think that it's going to be a good game um, you know everybody talking about how they think the Patriots might blow the Rams out but yet, if you go back and look at all the Super Bowls the Patriots have been in, none of them have been blowouts. They've all been surprisingly very close games, and that is exactly what I'm expecting this weekend as well. Uh, we've been blessed here lately in the past few Super Bowls, uh, them all being fairly competitive. The only one I can think of uh, off the top of my head would have been the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos Super Bowl, where the uh, Broncos pretty much lost that game from the get-go with a snap over Manning's head for a safety. And, well, they honestly never really looked like they were back in the game after that. And so uh, that was uh, really the only one, though, on the top of my head that I can think of uh, that was pretty much out of reach the entire game. Uh, so, again, really looking forward to it, hoping for a really good game. We might do some prop bets as well. Uh, I'm not much into the betting and prop bet stuff, however... We will have a little bit of talks from our partner in the Daily Fantasy stuff in Thrive, uh, an app that I've talked about before. Uh, We have our promo code for that. We will release here in just a minute, as long with a little bit of talks with the owner of the app. He was a... uh, generous enough to give us a couple minutes of his time. Uh, he gave us a little ad here, a little promo, talking about the prop bets and the daily stuff that you can do with them and then the stuff that you can do in-game betting-wise with the Super Bowl. So if that's something you're interested in doing, uh, betting and doing certain prop bets with the game and literally betting during the game, while the game's going on, you can do some bets with this uh, with this app. Uh, and again, you'll get a promo code with us to help you guys out with that. Get you a little bit of free money. It'll help us out as well with the podcast and Thrive. Uh, so 
we'll go ahead and that'll be the first thing you guys will hear along with our promo code and then we will go ahead and get Dennis on here and start talking about some tight end prospects. Hey everyone, this is Adam Weinstein, the founder and CEO of Thrive Fantasy. For everybody who doesn't know, we're a new daily fantasy sports platform for PropBet. So definitely would love for you guys to check it out. We actually have $10,000 guaranteed prize pool for NFL Super Bowl on Sunday. So we definitely have a, a lot of value and opportunity for you to make some money. Check out our deposit bonuses and matches and uh, we'd love to see you uh, on our app. Again, guys, that was a uh, really quick ad from the owner of Thrive Fantasy, uh, the owner of the app. Again, he was really generous and kind to take a couple minutes out of his day uh, to send that to us. Uh, We'll have an interview as well we'll be publishing on a different episode uh, just to get some more information from. But I wanted to get this ad out there so that you guys can do some prop betting and some betting with the Super Bowl this weekend. Sorry, weekend. My goodness, guys, I was uh, about to cough. I was uh, not trying to mess that up. Anyways, this weekend, obviously this Sunday, again, I'll be doing it uh, really excited already put a couple bets down in the app uh so uh he didn't mention in there but uh part of the promo code we will be putting out or i will be putting out in the tweet uh when i send out this episode here later tonight uh it will uh give you a chance if you use that code when you sign up with the app it will double your deposit so you guys put in 10 bucks you're gonna get 20 bucks back from me and thrive uh, and we really appreciate it we hope you guys enjoyed again anybody who's really into prop bets or betting you can literally bet during the game while the Super Bowl is going on there will be different prop bets and everything going on you can start placing bets during the game it's going to make I mean we're in a whole new world now when it comes to gambling and everything and they're going to be part of it they're at the forefront of the in-game betting so I hope you guys jump in and enjoy it again if you guys use the link with the uh, the tweet that I will put out here later today with this episode you guys will get the free deposit unfortunately if you guys don't have Twitter uh, there's no actual promo code we can use uh, while in the app so you have to use that link so i do apologize about that but hey if you don't have twitter now'd be a great time to sign up get twitter follow me follow the round table you know and then you guys can use that get your guys some free money and start betting this weekend on the super bowl so again i hope you guys use the app should be a lot of fun can't wait to uh continue working with them and again they they i do have an interview with him as well uh but we will or actually the owner of the pulse podcasting network that we uh we are partnered with they were the ones who did the interview with him uh and we will be having that out probably on monday's podcast but I really wanted to get the ad out there today uh, with the promo code so that you guys can start doing some prop bets and in-game betting with the Super Bowl going on. But they do everything. Uh, they have MLB stuff up. When the when baseball starts back up, they've got all kinds of basketball stuff, March Madness. It's ridiculous, guys. I'm telling you, I haven't been using the app very long, but I've already uh, enjoyed using it. Not shar- No sharks on there, too, which is a big deal. You know, A lot of people will use different apps like FanDuel, DraftKings, where you're playing up against these guys who spend all day studying that stuff and everything. That's not this. It's all in at people so makes it not necessarily easier to win money but you're not going up against people who necessarily use this stuff all the time so again enjoy using the app guys i hope you guys do use it and without further ado let's pop dennis on and do some tight end talk and super bowl talk all right and like i was just talking about we're bringing dennis back on dennis what's going on man i'm just chilling out up here in the great white north of ohio (laughs) trying we're finally back up above uh zero degrees so you know that's always a good day. Yeah, I'm glad that you uh, you guys survived the polar vortex. I uh, you know, I, as we were talking about the other day, uh, I miss being up there, but I do not miss that weather one bit. 
So as we were, uh, as I was just talking about in the intro, obviously with the Thrive, uh, the Thrive promo and everything before that, we're going to be talking tight ends today. Uh, we're going to start with recapping our top five tight ends of 2018, and then we'll jump into our 2019 uh, tight end ranks as well. So for the 2018 tight ends, who were your top five, or how did you have them ranked going into the year uh, last year? I had. Uh seven of them broke out into three different tiers with okay. my first tier being uh dallas goddard and mike gesicki uh-huh so i i really like i still if i you know I, maybe i'm stubborn but i'd still take goddard as my first tight end uh i feel like in a year they're going to be coming up on big contract for Ertz. they're going to be coming up on a big contract for wentz and Philadelphia is going to have to make some decisions. So uh, I think Goddard's going to show next year that he can coexist and be ready to take over. And in two years, Goddard's going to be the man there in Philadelphia. So I'm going to stick with Goddard as my one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Gasicki, you know, I don't know what, maybe it was Adam Gase. You know, maybe it was, you know, Maybelline, I guess. I don't know. He had trouble down there. Just never got rolling last year. So that one, uh, that didn't really look great. Yeah. Well, uh, I definitely think it was Adam Gase on uh, Gusecki 100% on that one. Uh, and I'm right there with you. I had Dallas Goddard as my number one as well. Uh, and I, I think he's going to easily be the number one moving forward. I compared him last year to kind of not necessarily being the next Gronk, but right there in that class. I think he's got a shot to be an awesome tight end. And even if they keep Zach Ertz, uh, we saw them this year use him multiple times down in the red zone and go to him in big play situations. Uh, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for both of those guys to be fantasy relevant moving forward, especially with Carson Wentz and uh, his you know knack to kind of check the ball down there. Uh, we all saw, obviously, with Nick Foles here and the, uh, the Eagles that uh, Nelson Aguilar and Alshon Jeffrey were much more fantasy relevant with Nick Foles compared to when Carson Wentz was there, and it was all about Zach Ertz. And I think if Dallas Goddard starts getting more playing time, he'll be right there with with them. Uh, my number two is actually Mark Andrews, uh, just because of what he did at Oklahoma. Uh, he's not a complete tight end, I guess would be the way to put it. He's not a very good blocker. I think he's going to have to continue to improve on that, uh, but I think he showed, especially with Lamar Jackson in there, uh, what a great offensive weapon he could be, and we saw that with Baker Mayfield uh, at, at Oklahoma last year. I think he could do that and replicate that in the NFL. Mike Gusecki was my third, uh, and I, I agree with you 100%. Physical freak, uh, came out of Penn State, obviously blew everyone away at the combine. Uh, I was a little hesitant of that because, uh, you know, I kind of tried to warn everybody, you know, don't don't draft him number one over Dallas Goddard just because he blew the combine away. And if you were smart, you didn't. But Gusecki still looks like he's going to be very good. And I'm hoping, obviously, with the the new regime change down there, that we'll actually get to see that. Uh, you know, no idea who the quarterback will be either, because I imagine they'll move on from Ryan Tannehill. Uh, did you have uh, Andrews up there in your top top two or three, like I did, or was he a little bit farther down? Who was your third? Uh, I have uh, Andrews and Hurst were my second tier. Okay. And uh, I actually did have Hurst over Andrews uh, because I felt like he was the better blocker right. and was going to play more snaps because of that. So I extrapolated a little bit, be, meaning more snaps uh, would equal more potential opportunities. But I liked Andrews better be, the same reason you did. He was He's the m- better receiving tight end. He's a really good receiver, former wide receiver uh, when he got to Oklahoma. Yeah. So 
I really had high hopes for Andrews and honestly, when given the chance to draft them, I typically was taking Andrews over Hurst. I don't think I have any Hurst. Now that could have been because other people were drafting Hurst before I got there. I don't remember if I passed on Hurst to take Andrews, Mm -hmm. but uh, I really liked Andrews as the, uh, you know, outlet player, safety valve, tight end to do the chip block, go out, and catch some passes. Gotcha. Yeah, see, so I'm we're we're lockstep in that. I was 100% with you. The only reason I didn't rank Hurst above Andrews was because uh, I just didn't think he was going to be that great of an offensive weapon. Uh, he's a phenomenal blocker, and we all knew going in that he was going to be the starter there, and I even put that in my, in my write-up of him last year that he's going to get the snaps over Andrews right now, but I felt Andrews was by far the better long-term project, which it sounds like you're agreeing to as well. I, I just don't think Hurst has the athletic and the offensive prowess that Andrews does. He's going to be a great blocker and everything, but I don't see him doing much there. Uh, for me, number four, it was uh, Ian Thomas, and then I had, uh, my goodness, uh, Hayden Hurst ranked right under him at five. Ian Thomas I like a lot. Uh, I thought he went to the perfect situation at the time, being behind Greg Olson. I thought that Ian, he needed a couple years uh, to kind of get into the groove of the NFL. He needed a couple years more to develop, and he would be a really good tight end. I was hoping that Greg Olson would obviously stay healthy for the next couple years, and then he would just kind of take over as Olson retires. We'll see what happens with that, obviously. Olsen uh, suffering that injury again. Ian Thomas did come in and I thought played decent at times, but we kind of saw the shortcomings in his game at the moment. And I do think that if Olsen does end up st- uh, retiring after this year with the injury to the foot, uh, if Thomas does come in, I-, I wouldn't expect him to be a great tight end again this year. I would think it's still going to take him another year to get there. Uh, did you have Thomas right there in the next tier with them? Or was he a, a I did. Okay. I did. I, I liked Ian Thomas. I actually, later in drafts, I was picking up shares of him uh, whenever I could. Okay. Like you, I agree. I agree. He went to a great situation. Would have been better if he could have sat all year behind Olsen uh, and learned. But when he got pushed uh, onto the field, he wasn't overwhelmed. He produced pretty consistently. You know, it, it's hard to step in and, and be. 8, 10, 12 target ready when you're a rookie. Right. Uh, like uh, Olsen was as a veteran. But Thomas did show that he was uh, he, he was able. Um, of the rookie tight ends, only four of them were worthy of a tight end two. Uh, there were none of them ranked as a tight end uh, one right. on the season. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to those rankings here in a minute. Uh, for me, I only had one other guy ranked. Uh, that I thought was going to be something, uh, and that was uh, Chris Herndon from the Jets. And uh, and as I was talking about in the promo, or in the preview, preview. My goodness, guys, I'm I'm losing it today. Being off work has completely messed my mind up today. In the start of the show, I was talking about a tight end that I thought could jump up to the top right there with Dallas Goddard. And for me, I think it is going to be Chris Herndon. Uh, I, for in my opinion, I seriously underestimated this guy. Uh, he was, in my opinion, the best tight end out of all of them this year. Uh, and I think he has a chance to jump up, not be as good as Dallas Goddard, but the connection he showed with Sam Darnold, I think he has a chance to be in what is by far the worst position for fantasy players right now as a tight end position. I think Chris Herndon has a chance to be one of the next best up-and-coming young tight ends. Where did you have Herndon, and did you have anybody else ranked of that tight end class last year? I, I did not have Herndon ranked in my top seven. Oh, okay. Uh, I just I just didn't I, I didn't see it coming there. I actually had Tyler Conklin 
and um, out of I think Western Michigan or Central Michigan. Yeah. Who's backing up uh, uh, Kyle Rudolph and Troy Fumagalli were my next two tight ends. They were in the same tier as Ian Thomas. Gotcha. Now I felt like Fumagalli was going to have potentially some opportunity. Uh, in Denver, their tight end situation, they keep they bring in a rookie tight end every year for like the last four or five years, <laughs> yeah. waiting for one of them to take that job. And I thought, you know, after being here in Big Ten country, having an opportunity to see him play, I thought he had as good a shot as any of those other Big Ten tight ends on their roster. So, uh, but he got injured, ended up being out for the year. Uh, Tyler Conklin from a, a Mac school. Um, some athletic ability uh, stuck behind Rudolph right now, but there's some talk Rudolph might get the axe for cap reasons. Right. I suspect if given the choice of uh, getting axe for cap reasons or restructuring his contract, Rudolph's going to restructure and uh, stay there in Minnesota. Um, but tight ends take two, three, sometimes four years to develop and coming from a smaller school, that might be uh, actually uh, really good for Conklin. Right, and I agree with you uh, on both those. I had them right under Herndon. Uh, didn't really have them ranked in my articles because I wasn't sure about them. And, and all, like I said, I'll, I'll be honest, I feel like I got a little bit lucky with the Herndon call, and yet I didn't even call that. I thought that he would take like three or four years to even be something. Uh, so I can't even say that I was really right on Herndon, uh, but I had him ranked right there at the end of my tight end ranks. Um, and so how they actually finished on the year we have ranked right here. So the number one rookie tight end was Chris Herndon. Uh, he finished 16th overall at the position. Andrews finished second for the rookie, 17th overall. Goddard third uh, for the rookies, 20th overall. Ian Thomas fourth and 24th overall. Uh, oh, Jay Thomas, I don't even know who that is. I'm going to be honest with you right now. The Houston Texans. Uh I forget his first Jordan? name. Now. I want to call him Thomas? Julius, but Jordan Thomas. Jordan yeah. Thomas. Yeah. Okay. So five, man. See, that's how bad. I didn't even know who that was. I, I knew who Aikens was. Uh, he was a guy that I was kind of high on at the end of the process, but I didn't have him ranked. I thought he was going to be the tight end of the future for the Texans. But uh, so he was fifth, thirty uh, third overall. Mike Gusecki, sixth, fiftieth overall. Aikens, who we were just talking about, seventh, fifty one overall. Will Disley, who I'm going to ask you a question about here in just a second, eighth, fifty uh, sixth overall, and then Hurst, ninth, fifty seventh overall, and Hurst too i think a little bit of the fact uh that he was injured is why uh he probably ranked as low as he did uh was again the starter right out of the gate and in the preseason did look kind of good so will disley uh he's someone that i didn't have ranked at all uh what honestly didn't pay much attention to him coming out uh with the fact that seattle has had really nothing at tight end for as long as i can remember i i can't even think off the top of my head who's been a fantasy relevant tight end for the seahawks except for jimmy graham and like maybe a handful of games do you think will disley is the answer we saw him have a couple good games last year but then obviously he had a lot of letdowns as well do you think he's the answer do you think he's going to be good going forward or maybe just kind of a flash in the pan last year i, I think will disley can be a solid tight end but i i don't think he's going to be a regularly fantasy relevant tight end uh a lot of his buzz was created from that one play where he went, what, 75 yards or 80, yeah, 80 yards 80, or something. 80-something yards, yeah. Um, and that was more of a fluke than anything, I think. So I, will he be a – can he be a quality starter? I think so. But he he was widely regarded as the best blocking tight end coming out last year. Uh-huh. And I think he's going to – he'll end up playing that role. He'll be fourth, fifth 
sixth on the pecking order for receptions when it comes to the Seahawks. So he may have a game where he catches, uh, you know, three passes for 55 yards and a touchdown. Um, but then he may go three games and have, you know, two passes for 17 yards across three games. So I think he's going to be on the field, but I don't think he's going to necessarily be a great receiving threat. Gotcha. And I don't disagree with you on that. I just wanted to see if maybe you had a different viewpoint than me uh, on Will Disley. So that that was really it for the the, twi- the tight end uh, 2018 ranks again. Uh, as I've talked about multiple times through different podcasts, and, and I'm sure we'll touch on a couple times here, it's just been a really bad position here as of the past couple years there's really only been about five or six elite tight ends and then everybody else I think you can group all into that second and third group and not very relevant for uh fantasy however there's a couple guys I mean if well if your league doesn't do a tight end premium right now I think you should really push hard for a tight end premium that makes the that really helps the tight end position Uh makes it more fantasy relevant Interesting. Well, see, where I disagree with you on that is because I actually think with this 2019 class, there's a multiple tight ends that are going to put themselves in the top tier tight end discussion, possibly as early as this year, making it maybe not much deeper, but at least give us maybe 12 deep. So if anybody has one of those top two, you've got a distinct advantage over everybody else. But I want to see If you agree with me, because uh, obviously we had a little bit of discrepancies between the running back and wide receivers in our ranks, which is going to be natural. Everybody views wide receivers and running backs completely different than probably the next person. Most of the time you go into a room full of 10 people and eight of them are going to have disagree. I would even say probably nine of them are going to have disagreements on who the top three are because everybody values certain things out of their players differently. But tight end, it's a little bit different. Uh, Again, as you touched on, it does seem to take tight ends more time to develop in the NFL possibly at least in my opinion because it's it's the hardest position to learn in the NFL not only do they have to come in and learn all the offensive concepts within route running and everything like that they also have to learn all the blocking schemes as well because that is a major part of their game as well so it's not easy to pick up whereas a wide receiver's coming in he's really just trying to learn what routes he's running different stuff here and there same with the running backs running backs is possibly the easiest position to trans transition into as we've seen that immediate impact that those guys have given us once they touch the touchdown in the NFL for the tight end is just not that way however there's two guys on here I think are going to make big impacts this year but I want to get yours first I know you do your tiers so give me your top tier of the tight ends for the 2019 class coming in this year well I think uh you know the the top tier is pretty easy it's the ones everybody's been talking about Uh, you've heard about them all year uh my tier is TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant out of Iowa Mm mm-hmm Irv Smith Jr. out of Alabama. Okay. Um, I probably give Hawkinson the edge over Smith and Fant uh, uh, from a blocking standpoint. So he has the potential. He's, I believe they're equal when it comes to the receiving game, um, but he has a slight edge in blocking. Yes. Uh, is a little more of a well-rounded tight end. So coming out of camp, he's the one I think has the chance to establish that starting role uh, unless you're playing two tight ends if it's a one tight end team he can step in right now and be on the the field for every play Irv Smith and Noah Fant they're going to be out there but they're they're going to have they're going to be that second tight end um, that move tight end playing a little more in space I think than Hawkinson 
Erroneous! Erroneous! Erroneous on both counts! Alright, so we disagree. So this is going to be very interesting. I thought maybe we'd have a fairly close, not a, not a huge discrepancy here, I think, for us. But I have four uh, in my uh, elite category here. Um, and interesting to see if you even have this guy uh, on your list. Uh, so for me, number one is Noah Font out of, of out of Iowa. He's 6'4", 232. Um, what you touched on with Hawkerson and him is exactly right, but that, that's why I have Font uh, better. In my opinion, he's, he's got the physical skills. He's a great receiver, uh, soft hands, elite athletic ability. I think he's going to be the next big name tight end coming out. Um, I think he has a chance to be better than Evan Ingram was a couple years ago, better than Evan Ingram overall. Uh, he's a great route runner and has a great vertical game, which I think is going to be huge for him. The difference is he, he's not a very good blocker, but I don't think that you necessarily need that in the NFL game nowadays. Some teams you do, uh, so a lot of it is going to depend on where he lands. Uh, but I think he can immediately come onto the field and impact them on an offensive uh, offensive side like you were just talking about. For me, my number two is actually Caden Smith out of Stanford. 6'5", 253, great off-the-line burst, great wide receiver great wide receiver he's a great receiver very good middle working in the middle of the field whether it's catching the ball trying to to block and everything the difference with him is he's not someone that's going to be uh on the field this next year i think he's going to need at least a year maybe two to develop but i think he's someone that's going to be an elite tight end moving forward he's got all of the skills he's just not fully developed yet and so that's kind of i was hesitant on where to put him he's probably going to drop down below the next two that i'm about to talk about uh but right now just based on his physical attributes i've got him up there number three for me was tj hawkerson again out of iowa 6'5, 243 like you were saying he's got he's great hands great blocker my thing with him is he's very athletic but he's not elite in my opinion i don't think the best way I can describe him is he's good at everything, but he's not great at anything. And that's kind of why I ranked him where I did. I think uh, he's going to come in. He's going to be very good. I think a lot of people, and I'm not, I don't know about you. I'll ask you here in a second, uh, but I think a lot of people are falling in love with him based on some of the catches that we've seen him make on the highlight reels where he's made, and he has made some unbelievable catches on the highlight reel, uh, but on the full watching of his game and everything, he doesn't do that all the time. And I think that he's just, again, he, he's, not great but he's good at everything which is going to help him succeed at the next level and like you said he's definitely the one tight end out of this class that I think no matter what team he goes to he can immediately be a starter because he's such a good blocker um, and then my number four and the last guy I have in this tier one uh, is Irv Smith out of Alabama 6'3", 243 uh, and he's Great athleticism, great blocker, route runner, good receiver. Uh, he's shown decent burst. Um, I, I, he's put up incredible numbers at Alabama. Um, I think he could be better than O.J. Howard. I know a lot of people were really high on O.J. Howard a couple years coming out. I think uh, Smith has a better ch- be- chance to be better than him. Um, but right now, I think he's just a little notch below uh, Font and Smith for me. Uh, I could say he's right there with Hawkerson. But again, those guys could both jump Smith from Stanford here. I, I need to watch a little bit more of them and obviously see kind of their uh, pro day and combine stuff. But uh, going back uh, to Hawkerson real quick, uh, do you think that he's that much better than the other guys? I know you have him ranked number one. Uh, is is that what you're seeing? You just think he's that uh, much better of a receiver? Why do you have him over Font? Well, uh, he had uh, compared to – so Hawk, Hawkinson had a 75% catch rate last year mm-hmm. versus Fant's 61% catch rate. So there is there is some question about Fant's hands. Uh-huh. Um, 
that he's a great athlete. Probably he's the superior athlete of the two. That doesn't mean Hawkinson isn't a good good athlete. Right. It just means Fant is a better athlete. So if I'm looking at it from that perspective, uh, Hawkinson has the better hands. They're equal when it comes to route running. Hawkinson is the better blocker, uh, and Fant is the better athlete. So three out of those four categories. There's Hawkinson wins two of four easily. Uh-huh. Fant wins one, and uh, they draw on the other one. Okay. So to me, that's what gives Hawkinson the edge over Fant. Now, when I look at Irv Smith, you know, I'm curious to see how he measures. Uh-huh. Uh, he's listed at six four and two forty one, and so I'm that he reminds me has a build that kind of reminds me of Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. And so being kind of fast and a, a little bit more of a compact tight end, it'll be interesting to see where he goes and, and what the uh, the head coach, the offensive coordinator that bring him in, what they do with him. So I don't think he's quite as good as O.J. Howard, um, but I think he's definitely good. Okay. Well, that's interesting. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. I was uh, I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little surprised. I thought we'd be closer in uh, in our uh, ranks with the tight ends, but it's not a bad thing. As I've talked about, uh, it's always good to have people, in my opinion, who disagree to give uh, the listeners kind of a full grasp of a player and and two differing opinions. Because I'm not always gonna be right. You're not always gonna be right. You you seem to be more right than me here lately. So I guess we'll we'll lean with your analysis for now and see what happens. I'm just riding the Ronald Jones wave. I wouldn't say I'm more right. <laughs> well. You know, yeah, that I'm telling you, I'm t- just wa- just wait though. He's gonna come back and he's gonna have a big year this year, and then everybody else is gonna jump on that bandwagon like, oh, I told you guys Rojo was good. We just needed to wait. I'm like, no, none of you guys said he was gonna be good. It was just this guy over here saying goat. Well, yeah. I guess a lot of people were saying Rojo, but he, I don't think he's gonna be obviously as good as I'd hoped. Like I said, I, I honestly thought he was going to be like the second best rookie in the NFC behind Saquon after the draft. That was obviously very wrong, uh, but I still think he's going to be good. I'm, I'm interested to see now with the regime changes and everything um, in Tampa, because I've said multiple times, and, and you may disagree with me on this, and I think a lot of it was just due to the the just stupidity that was going on in Tampa, and I think a lot of that came from the head coaching on down. Obviously not kind of wrangling in Jameis Winston and all the stupid stuff he was doing on and off the field that whole team I mean that that team is loaded to bear on offense and they could not do anything I think obviously having Arians in there now it's going to completely change and that's why I think Rojo has a chance uh, to do something good because he's not David Johnson or anything like that but let's be honest no not many people thought David Johnson was going to do what he did and Arians turned him into a superstar obviously some of that comes from the skill that David Johnson has he's an elite running back Rojo is going to spend 2019 Riding the pine behind Kareem Hunt. <laughs> I don't think Hunt, I don't know Hunt about is, that. Hunt is going to put up some big numbers in half a season. Uh, he's going to come back. Uh, they'll they'll he'll Jones will get a few games to show Arians that he can't run, can't catch the ball, <laughs> and that he can't see the hole. And and then Hunt will come in, take over, uh, and next year, uh, being that Arians has no ties to Jones he'll trade him for a seventh round conditional pick to John Gruden that's all right because then you know what he's gonna turn it around in Oakland baby he'll be the starter in Oakland no well I'll I'll be honest with you on that if if Kareem Hunt ends up going there yeah Ronald Jones is doomed there's no way Ronald Jones is better than Kareem Hunt I can admit that I've never 
I will never jump on that train. I will, I will, you know, completely stay away from that. I don't think Hunt will actually go there. Uh, but that's actually uh, glad you brought that up. That allows me to tease something here that we're going to be doing here. So obviously, we've talked about we have the Super Bowl here next Sunday, or not next Sunday, this Sunday, just a couple days away. Uh, after that. On Monday, we'll obviously break down the show, but just to give you guys a little bit of heads up, I've talked about it before, but I want to talk about it again. Uh, me and Dennis will be breaking down every division in the NFL, every team, going over all of the main storylines, coaches, changes, players, everything, free agent moves, possible draft picks. Throughout the offseason, we'll break down every single division, every single team, and give you guys our thoughts on that. So that's where we will give you guys more of this talk about uh, the teams and everything I'm excited about, and I hope you guys will tune in to those. Uh, but before we move on to any kind of Super Bowl talk, I did not get the rest of your tight end ranks. Did you have anybody else outside of those guys that we already talked about in Hawkerson, Font, and Smith? Um, well, you didn't have Smith up there. I did. Uh, uh, or Caden Smith. You had Irv Smith up there because I have one other guy ranked. Uh, do you have any other guy in your uh, tier two? Well, in my tier two, I had Caleb Wilson, Isaac Nuada, and Elise Mack. Okay. I hope I'm saying his name right. I think that's now, right. Now, after that first tier is where it kind of starts to get a little shady for me, and I've got to dig a little deeper. You know, Wilson was Josh Rosen's, uh, one of his main targets at UCLA. He's uh, He's got the height, but he's a little bit underweight, and he's a pretty solid pass catcher. Um, can do some good things when it comes to the receiving end, but he checks in at only about 225, 230 pounds. So he's going to have to beef up a little bit. Uh, the first year or two, while well, he's learning how to be an NFL tight end, he'll end up uh, playing that second tight end, uh, passing tight end. Uh-huh. Uh, Nuada is one of those guys that uh, just didn't get a lot of opportunity. He was on the field, but he didn't, re- you know, he had Riley Ridley, Nicole Hardeman, Terry Godwin, and a host of uh, all star running backs. So he was a little bit down on the pecking order, but comes in around 6'4 and 240. Uh, has some pretty good hands, so it'll be interesting to see what he can do. And then Mac, you know, he could he right now I'm kind of chalking up his production to the fact that he played with just about the worst quarterback situation <laughs> in college football. Uh, you know, he's a he's a good size, 6'4, 255. He's projected to run in the mid four fives. Uh-huh. You know, if he can put up those numbers, uh, you know, he's going to get drafted on his athletic ability alone. So w- we'll see. You know, I do have one wild card that is probably going to be at the back end. Okay. Uh, he's not really in this tier, but definitely somebody I want to talk about. Uh, and that's Donald Parham out of Stetson. Okay. Have you heard of him? I have not. So Parham was uh, invited to the Senior Bowl. Um, but got injured during practice week. Six foot eight and five eighths, two hundred and thirty-five pounds. Uh-huh. Uh, he's 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 going to end up being a late round pick um, based on his athletic ability. But his numbers at Stetson now wouldn't. So a lot of the knock you see with small school guys is well he didn't he didn't just destroy the competition. So last year, from the tight end position, Uh Parham had 85 receptions uh, in, what is that, 10 games? 10 games, 85 receptions, 1,319 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, 
seven of nine or eight of ten games he went over a hundred yards. Okay. Five games over a hundred and fifty, and one game his high game. 12 receptions for 257 yards and three touchdowns. Wow. So he dominated his competition. Right. Uh, got invited to the Senior Bowl. So we'll have to see what the, you know, is he going to have one of these? Well, he, he's inside. He's a tight end, but he doesn't have the bulk to be able to hold up to the position. Uh, or will he be able to actually uh, make a go of it? He's projected to run in the. Uh, four five to four six range. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he gets invited to the combine. Uh, what he can do, but he's w- one of those guys that's a really intriguing athletic prospect. Sounds like it. Yeah, I have not done any research on him yet, so uh, that'll be someone uh, I might look into here this weekend while I'm doing some of my other stuff. So for me, I only had one other guy ranked uh, in the Tier 2 that I'm really excited about, and that's uh, Jay Sternberger out of Texas A&M, 6'4", 250. Again, for me, much like you are with your uh, your big-size wide receivers, for me it's all about great size and athleticism for the tight end, and he's got that. Uh, he's much like Caden Smith, and he's going to need time to develop. He's not someone who's going to come out next year year uh, and be an all-star tight end he's going to be someone that needs a year or two to develop uh, but he just has all of the attributes to be in my opinion a great tight end with his hands uh, his uh, catching ability and just uh, the burst that he's shown at times I think he's got a chance to be one of the elite tight ends Uh, want to jump off script really quick here because I just realized something when you were talking uh, about the Georgia tight end uh, you mentioned Riley Ridley uh, I meant to bring this up on Monday's show when we did the wide receivers neither one of us had Riley Ridley in the top 10 of our wide receiver ranks uh, which I personally do not think that he is that good uh, but a lot of people have him in their top five why did you leave him off did you have uh, any main reason why that you can think of real quick off the top of your head or you just weren't that impressed with his game film and everything I just, at this point in the game, uh, I have not, he hasn't done anything to really separate. Uh-huh. Um, you know, on the other hand, his brother also kind of didn't really do a lot of outstanding things and came in and performed really well at the NFL level. So there's certainly, you know, that thought in the back of my mind that's like, well, if he just gets in the right opportunity uh, or gets an opportunity consistently, you know, maybe he'll perform. But I, I suppose if you're given enough chances, you know, volume is king. Yeah. Um, but a, a, as of right now, he hasn't really – I haven't seen anything when I look at the numbers and when I look at the tape that says, you know, I have to keep moving this guy up. He's probably, you know, 10, 12, 14 uh-huh. right now for me somewhere in that tier. So we'll see how it goes as I keep digging in further. You know, maybe I'll see something that – uh, changes my mind and as we get closer to the draft you know I'll, I'll start to cement these positions in my head and uh, on paper here and and we'll see what happens all right yeah I just I just wanted to throw that out there real quick like I said I, I personally don't uh, I don't want to say he's not good I just don't have him up there with the any of the elites of this class I've got him more as like a a wide low end wide receiver two wide receiver three at best uh, and so I just thought that was interesting. I've noticed a lot of people are very high on him. I, I don't know if it's 
more name value is what I kind of equate it to. Everybody sees Ridley at the end of his name, and they're like, oh, this kid's going to be good, and I just don't think he's produced enough at Georgia to be ranked up in the top five of the wide receivers that I've watched so far, uh, and I've seen a lot of people have him up there, so I was just curious as to that. Uh, so that that pretty much does it for all of our 2019 tight ends. Now we're going to jump into some trade talk. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Deal or no deal? No deal. No deal. I'm a businessman. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. All right, guys, so it's time to talk about some trades, whether uh, if you've got someone that you're looking to acquire or someone you're looking to deal and you have questions, you're not quite sure if you want to move them or not or get or get this player. You can always reach out to me at Sports Fanatic MB on Twitter. You can add me. You can send them to me in my DMs. I'd be happy to respond to you as well as Dennis Wood at culture underscore coach. However, we're not always available, right? You know, sometimes we do actually have to sleep and spend time with our families. Uh, so we're not always available on Twitter to answer your guys' questions. If we're not there and you guys need an answer right away, the best solution is going to DynastyTradeCalculator.com. They're the number one uh, Dynasty football resource. Uh, you can use them for all your trade questions. They have an awesome little calculator and value system. You put your players in their picks, and it, and it gives you a score on which side they think is the best uh, best for the trade. They do awesome there. 99% you will be happy with the results they give you, and I only say 99% because nobody's perfect. There's going to be probably one trade eventually that they get wrong, but I haven't seen it yet, but we still got to go with 99% because you never want to guarantee 100% satisfaction, right? You can always get better. So... With all that being said, again, check out Dynasty Trade Calculator if you guys have questions that we can't get to or if you just want to see that you think you're right and we're wrong because we've been wrong before. Dynasty Trade Calculator won't steer you wrong. Let's talk about those trades. All right, so for the trade, all right, so for the first trade here, we have uh, the – the, play, or the person that sent this to us, and I didn't get a Twitter handle. It was a, All three of these actually came to the email for the show, which is fantasyroundtable at yahoo.com. All under case, you guys can always send stuff there. Uh, I'll reply back to you as quick as I can. Uh, or you can always at me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. You can at Dennis at Culture underscore Coach. Or you can DM us. I know both of us will respond as quickly as we can to any of them. But, again, if you guys can't get a hold of us and you need an answer really quick... Always hit up DTC, the Dynasty Trade Calculator. They are awesome. Their values on these players are awesome. They're going to do the best and give you some of the best advice you can find in the business and help you evaluate these trades to help you make up your mind. So with the first one, it is the player was giving up AB and pick 3.4 for Adam Thielen, TJ Yeldon, and pick 1.9 in the 2019 drafts. Dennis, what does the, the Dynasty Trade Calculator say, and what do you say about that trade? So we're, we're sitting here on the 12-team, uh, half-point PPR, and uh, Antonio Brown's clearly the best player in the trade. Right. Um, but giving the uh, 3.04 pick with Brown, it comes in at 42 points even. So Brown is 39.8. The pick is 2.2. Okay. The other side with Thielen, um, you know, he's 29 years old, coming off a couple really good years, 34.6. So there's... The, the trade calculator doesn't have Thielen and Brown that far apart. Right. Um, some of it is Thielen 
probably peaking right now over the last couple years. Brown has been playing at a super high level over the past four, five, six years. Uh Uh, He's coming up on his uh, age 32 season, I believe. Yeah. So they're they're not that far apart. Uh, Yeldon, two points. Uh, But that 1.09 coming in at 10.5 points on the Dynasty Trade Calculator puts that side up at 47.1. So uh, for for me, I think if I'm looking to win now and I want one piece to put me over, is is Brown that much better than uh, Thielen? You know, maybe, maybe. But you know they're they're still pretty close. It's 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 hard to look at Thielen because he had eight games last year where he was the man. Yeah. It was phenomenal. It was a season like nobody was ever going to have again. Uh, but then he had eight games that were pretty pedestrian. So you know he heated up and then he cooled down. Uh, he didn't have the music in him. That's for sure. Uh, so it's a fairly close trade. It depends on it depends on what people want out of their uh it depends on what people want on their team so right if somebody likes brown over thielen or thielen over brown uh if i was rebuilding i'd give brown for thielen in that 1.09 in a heartbeat okay so for me um and this is exactly what i told them when i replied back to the email uh i'd take the trade uh i love antonio brown um and obviously all the trade talks doesn't necessarily worry me that much because i do think no matter where ab goes he's he's gonna be great it doesn't matter i don't care if he goes to san francisco where everybody's linking him to and we haven't seen that much out of jimmy g so we don't know if he's gonna be as good as everybody hopes ab will be Uh, i still think that ab even if he goes to san francisco and jimmy g struggles he's still gonna be at least in my opinion at worst a top 14 wide receiver so he'll drop just out of the top 12 but I, i think it's even hard to imagine that I love Adam Thielen. Obviously, anybody who's listened to this podcast knows how big of a fan I am of Kirk Cousins, except for when he bones you in fantasy. Uh, But I do love Kirk Cousins. I think he's a great quarterback. I do think that uh, hopefully with um, his name just escaped me, but I know uh, the quarter was the quarterback's coach for them. That was the offensive coordinator. They looked like they were sort of kind of coming around uh, once he took over the job. Filippo or the new guy? The new uh, guy. I know Filippo left, and I can't remember what it is. It starts with an S because he interviewed with the Browns as well. Stefanski, Stefanski, there we go. Yeah. Uh, so they, they actually started looking like they were doing good, though. They had a couple good games, and they had obviously the two letdown games right there at the end. I think given a full year in Stefanski's system, uh, Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins could be very good together. So give me Adam Thielen only because – I kind of like TJ Yeldon, too. Uh, He is going to be a free agent. If he goes somewhere where he can get kind of like a Duke Johnson role, where I think that's where he's going to thrive. He's not an every down back, but he is someone, in my opinion, that can do very good in the receiving game and and be a kind of a change of pace guy and get you some very decent points there as kind of like a bench depth uh, running back. And then you add in the 1.9 as well in the rookie draft, where in this class, as I've talked about multiple times, I think that this class is very deep and loaded at the wide receiver and running back position uh for me it was an easy easy trade for me because i don't think the fall off from thielen or from a b to thielen is that big of a deal yeah i can, i mean i could see yeldon ending up in oakland um playing 45 percent of the snaps with uh ronald jones backing him up <laughs> and that's going to be the best tan- duo tandem uh little uh, running back core here in the NFL. I'm telling you, those guys are going to be like, just you watch. Within uh, By 2020, those two guys are going to be top two RBs in, in uh, 15. You know, two, they'll be like 
10 and 13 or something like that in the RB category. And everybody will be like, oh, Matt Bruning, you're a genius. I'm like, I know, guys. I told you this was coming. All right. So for the next trade, uh, we have give uh, the person was giving up the 1.3 and Jordan Howard for George Kittle. I know where I was going with this trade, uh, just based on the players involved. But what did DTC, DTC say, and what do you say, Dennis, about the trade? You know, it's like I, I, I feel like it's buying Kittle's hype. Okay. And and it depends. The other side of the equation is how much do you hate Jordan Howard? <laughs> so those are really the two questions. Right. You know, Kittle is Kittle going to be probably a top three tight end, top four tight end? Yeah, he he is, and he's one of the, he's he's going to be one of only three or four set it and forget it tight ends next year. Uh, but Howard is is criminally underrated. Can he catch the ball? No, he can't catch the ball for shit. Um, they threw him five passes in the first game last year, and then I think they threw him five passes in the next fifteen <laughs> games. But he's a good he's a solid running back. He's uh-huh. he's not exceptional. He's gonna he can move the pile. He he can get some yards. Um, you know he, he's just a solid running back. Uh, RB high, low RB two, high RB three, um, and match that with the one point oh three. So the pick is uh, has twenty points even, and Har- Howard has thirteen point five for a total of thirty three point five points. Okay. Kittle comes in at just twenty one points. So if it's not a tight end premium, the calculator has it pretty heavily for Howard in the pick. Yeah. I feel like it's probably closer than that because I do think that uh, Kittle is is pretty good. Uh-huh. But there's still some questions there. What's going to happen with you know, the other? Kittle was the only skill position in San Francisco that didn't get injured last year. Right. I mean, Garcon was out. Goodwin missed time. Uh, Breida seemed like he was always hurt. McKinnon was out. Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. Uh, then who was C.J. Beathard got hurt. They ended up with a third-string quarterback. So everybody in a skill position out in San Francisco got hurt. So there, there has to be... You have to believe that Kittle is going to continue to perform uh, and get the opportunity when all of those things come back healthy. Right. So for me, it's very easy. Um, and I agree with everything you said on both players. But give me George Kittle. Uh, and I just think – I know what you're saying about all those players being injured and that might sway his production next year. Um, but he did get injured at times, played through the injury, and he just looked so good. And in my opinion, as again, I said we were going to talk about it multiple times through the podcast, and we're touching on it again here, the tight end landscape sucks. There is just not that many tight ends. And if you can get a guy that, as you said, you can set and forget every single week at that tight end position is an upside for your roster. You have Kittle. He's likely going to win you the tight end matchup every single week unless he goes up against, I can probably think off top of my head, three other tight ends. And that's Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, and then maybe on a good day, Evan Ingram. Because I can't even put Gronk up there anymore because I don't know what Gronk's going to do. Gronk would be up there, uh, but we haven't seen Adam this year and obviously all the rumors around him retiring. I can't put him up there. Uh, I agree with you 100% on Jordan Howard, though. I'm a huge fan 
fan of Jordan Howard. I love Jordan Howard. Love Jordan Howard so much, I was able to flip him for Nick Chubb earlier this year. And, uh, I, I mean, th- just because of how high I was on Howard and how well I was able to sell him to the other owner, uh, which I think I won that trade by a home run. But what scares me about Howard is he's just not a good fit in Chicago's offense, in my opinion, with what, with what Matt Nagy likes to do. And so for me, I think if Howard were to get traded to a team that would use him the way he needs to be used, I think he'd be phenomenal, but I just don't think you can count on that. Now, there was a lot of rumors earlier in the offseason that the Bears were thinking about bringing in Kareem Hunt. If they do that, I would think Jordan Howard is as good as gone. And if that does happen, then his value might shoot up and you might end up losing this trade. But for me, I've got to take George Kittle just based on winning that tight end position every single week. I know giving up the 1.3 is going to be hard as well uh, because you're going to get likely a very good player at that unless you just suck at drafting. I do know some people who suck at drafting. So that is a possibility. uh, But like I said, for me, it's George Kittle all the way. All right, and now for our last trade before we start talking about the big game this weekend. And in my opinion, uh, I haven't seen what the DTC says yet. or I just I just pulled it up, actually, because you sent me the image. Uh, and I'm very, very interested to hear your thoughts on this one. So he would be giving up Andrew Luck and rookie pick 2.8 to get Baker Mayfield in a cube in a super flex league so that's a two quarterback league for anybody who uh, doesn't play in super flex I mean you can start anybody in that super flex but most people are going to start a quarterback because you get more points out of quarterbacks um, and this guy did send in the email which we appreciate by the way anybody if you're sending an email give us as many details as you can about your roster and uh and your scoring systems because it's an email. I, I don't t- mind taking the time to read. Obviously, with Twitter, you kind of have a limited character uh, spot you can use, obviously. So we understand if you don't send us every little detail. But this guy did send in that he has uh, Jimmy G and Mason Rudolph on his roster as well. So he's rostering uh, three quarterbacks, which is always good in a super flex. But Jimmy G obviously not starting last year, which is why uh, he said that his team struggled. Uh, but Andrew Luck, Jimmy G, and Mason Rudolph, and he wants to trade Andrew Luck to get Baker Mayfield, what does DTC say? What do you say about the trade? You know, I'm a Browns fan, but this is a stupid trade. <laughs> okay, what, what what does DTC say? And then, and then uh, give us your full breakdown on the stupid trade. You know, Baker's coming in at 12-team super flex at 36.8 points. Now, luck isn't a lot higher. He's 404 and the pick is worth 3.5 points. Uh-huh. So it comes in, it's uh, 36.8 for Baker, 43.9 for um, Luck in the pick. It's not as big a gap as the Kittle trade, according to the calculator, but it doesn't really make any sense to give away a pick. The 2.8 in a Superflex has more value than a standard league, one quarterback league. Right. Luck is... Yes, he's 20, what, 28, 29 years old. Yeah. But he's going to be a top, he is a top three quarterback in the NFL. And he's got probably the best coach he's had his entire career. And, you know, I like Baker. There's still questions about the Browns. They seem like they're turning it around. They've got some good weapons in Callaway and Landry and Joku uh, and Chubb. Uh, They're, they're, emotionally hot right now mm-hmm. it's, it's a great situation but and you know it's andrew luck and uh, he's currently better he's gonna be 
as good or better at least five more years. So I'm I'm going to stick with Andrew Luck in the pick, and you know at the two point eight, you know maybe I take take myself T.J. Hawkinson or Noah Fant or Irv Smith. Okay, all right. So I don't disagree with you. Andrew Luck, obviously, uh, top three quarterback. We, we A lot of people were nervous about him, obviously, this year because of the all the talk about the shoulder he was throwing, you know, a high school football during the the preseason and everything. Uh, we weren't sure what he was going to come back from. And then he came back and looked exactly like the Luck that we saw a couple years ago. So I agree with you. However, that being said, give me Baker, baby. I cannot quit that guy. He is my quarterback. I love it. I'll wake up feeling dangerous every day I've got that guy on my roster. I just think that the Browns are going huge places. Uh, I'll, You know, just to help support my narrative, though, the injury on the shoulder scares me a little bit with Andrew Luck. I don't know if it's going to hold up. Baker hasn't shown uh, any injury history whatsoever. Whatsoever. I believe in Baker. I believe in the Browns. So the ad- the solid advice that Dennis gave you and what you should do, according to Dennis and DTC, and I don't disagree with them, is do not do the trade. You have Andrew Luck. You've got Jimmy G coming back. Maybe try and flip Jimmy G in the 2.8 for Baker. I would do that in a heartbeat. I don't know what DTC DTC my goodness, I can't speak. I'm so excited. The it's D- easy for you to say. DTC. Uh, I don't know what the DTC says about that trade. Maybe you can look that up real quick uh, while I go and uh, you know just gush over Baker. Uh, that uh, maybe you could try and do that. Maybe they'll do it. I don't know. Uh, but. Just as a Browns fan, if you were to offer me that trade, I would take Baker in a heartbeat. I'd click accept before you had a chance to change your mind, even though chances are you weren't. So if you're listening to solid advice, go with Andrew Luck. But if you want to listen to the fan and the heart of the Cleveland Browns, you'll take Baker. And that's all I have to say on it. I I will say that there's nothing wrong with going and getting your guys. Fantasy football is supposed to be fun. And if you got a team you love – or a guy you love that plays for your team or played for your college team, and you want to go get him and it's going to make your Sundays that much more enjoyable, then, then go get him. Right. You know, you, you, you sometimes can risk some things uh, getting clouded by your fandom, but the ultimate goal is to have fun. I so agree. go get your guy. Uh, as far as the Jimmy G trade, it uh-huh. comes out at twenty four point nine for Jimmy G in the Ugh. pick, and thirty six point eight for Baker. Uh, I think a lot of that comes down to Jimmy missing so much time and his first opportunity to start. Right. Uh, he has the potential. I, I I think if we if this was twelve months from now, uh, I suspect this might be pretty close to even. Gotcha. Yeah, and I agree with you, and that's why I said, uh, in all honesty. Um, you know, if you if you're looking for real advice on that trade, if you're not a Baker Mayfield fan or a Browns fan, and you're just like, oh, you know, Baker did so good this year, you think maybe someone's trying to pull the wool over your eyes, uh, you you do need to stick with Andrew Luck. I agree with you 100%. Again, I I would honestly. I probably wouldn't do the trade in all honesty if I owned Andrew Luck. I do own him in a league, actually, with uh, with Barker from the Back Row Show, and people have been trying to get him from me based on the year that he had, and it's going to take a lot to get him because he, and I would not just give him up straight. I wouldn't give him straight up for Baker, much less you having to give a pickup as well to get Baker. Uh, so I, I understand that 100%. Uh, I am semi-joking when I say take Baker because, as you were saying, I mean, everybody knows I am a huge 
huge Browns fan, and I would uh, I, I just love to have that guy on my team every every Sunday uh, for my fantasy team, and then obviously for the Browns as well. So that right there ends our trade talks. Uh, again, guys, please anytime we'll, we'll continue to post stuff up on Twitter. Uh, I know a couple of you guys a couple of weeks ago commented in uh, the things on Twitter. You can always DM Dennis, DM me, or send. The uh, trades again to the email fantasy roundtable at yahoo.com, all under case, and we will get to those. We're going to try and do a trade segment every single week, especially now going into the offseason, because that's what it's all about dynasty trades and, uh, we're going to be talking about all these new players and everything, so now's the time to start looking at trying to improve your rosters if you're rebuilding, try and get some more picks before the draft comes up, or maybe if you're trying to look to contend moving some players to get those uh, to get those high-end players to secure yourself a championship next year. So any trades, even if it's just an idea, if it's something you guys just want to see what we think about, it doesn't have to be something that's been offered to you. If there's an idea for a trade that you guys have, send it our way. We would be glad to talk about it in our trade segments uh, going forward. We eating all day, bro. I'm hitting you every time. Every time you come as well, I'm gonna hit you. I'm not gonna be able to do that. You don't want no problems, bro. You are my boy. I'm a man. I'm about to get ugly. I want to score. Yeah. You only talk so much. It's time to do now. Not just a good old fashioned rear end whipping. To the house, baby. I'm in a league of my own. Man, that's for me. Are you tired? Are you tired? Let's go. So for the Super Bowl, it's finally here. The big game. Again, I've been talking about it. Uh, I cannot wait. I really think that it's going to be a really good game this weekend. Um, Let's start out with the storylines here. So one of the questions that I wanted to pose to you is the crucial matchup. Uh, I think that both of these teams are very good on two sides of the ball, and we're going to get right into it because I'm pretty sure you agree with me. What is the most crucial matchup of this game? Well, I think the Thune, Andrews, and Shaq Mason going up against uh, Ndamukong Sue and Aaron Donalds is going to be crucial. Um, the Patriots have given up the third few of sacks this season, uh-huh. and uh, it getting pressure up the middle is going to disrupt what they try to do. Right. And then they also they they like to run the ball with Sony Michelle. So that that interior defensive line versus the interior offensive line is gonna have a lot of say as to how the teams are gonna have to adjust after the first couple series. Can can the defense get pressure on Brady? Can the offensive line keep the pressure off him and let him work? Can they open up holes for the running game? Uh, it it comes down to that. I know that uh, the Rams have had a great offensive line all year they've stayed healthy all year uh Uh, todd Gurley was killing it until he had his injury and then cj anderson came in and he was killing it um that's going to be an interesting matchup i I saw and i wish i would have written down who it was uh might have been dan orlovsky that was doing a tape breakdown of how the uh patriots will stack their defensive line Uh to handle the uh offensive line uh, of the opposing team and they were using it was the the chiefs and patriots so the patriots will put their three down linemen up and then they'll bring both of their inside linebackers uh hightower and van noy right up on the line of scrimmage over both guards so now it's man on man five guys against five guys 
and that creates some uh, issues for the offensive line because those Hightower and Van Noy are both 250, 260 pounds. They're not these 225, 230-pound chase linebackers. So that sort of evens out the line matchup. You know, on the other hand, the Rams uh, rush for, uh, I think they average like 4.9. Let me find their offense. Yeah, the Rams rush for 4.9 uh, yards per carry this season. Right. Uh, behind the healthiest offensive line in the league this year. So uh, that interior line is going to be good. The other uh, matchup I'm really interested to see is Julian Edelman versus uh, Nicole Roby Coleman. Uh-huh. I-, I think, you know, he's one of the best slot corners in the NFL this past year. He's also a cheater. Edelman play- Sorry, plays cheater. out of the slot. So how is he going to match up? Are, are, are the, is Wade Phillips going to, you know, have Roby Coleman match up on Edelman and stay on him? Or are they going to try to do, you know, what the Chiefs did and try to cover him sometimes with a linebacker? Mm-hmm. And hope they get pressure on on Brady. So those those are the two uh, two of the matchups that I'm really looking forward to. All right. So I agree with you on both matchups. For me, the most crucial is going to be both offensive lines and the defensive lines because I think that's actually the strengths of both teams. It's going to be very interesting to see. I think the Patriots' defense comes in their defensive line as well as the Rams. Their their strength is by far their defensive line. And then the same thing with both offenses. Their offensive lines both have been healthy all year, played all their snaps together. Both offensive lines are going to be huge. I think – What's going to be interesting is exactly what you touched on with Donald and Sue. So the Patriots, as you said, have given up the third fewest sacks all season, and Tom Brady has yet to be sacked in this postseason, which is incredible to me. Aaron Donald has been a sack machine. So can he get back there? Can he sack Brady? Because I believe the stat was if Tom Brady is sacked more than seven times in in the Super Bowl games that he's played, he's lost every single one of those games. So they have to get to him. As you said, pressure up the middle. That's the one thing that slows down Tom Brady, although I'd kind of argue that slows down every quarterback. I don't know what quarterback really wants pressure up the middle and getting hit, uh, but that's the way that they're going to have to get to him. So will they be able to do that? I do think that the Patriots' defense Defense is going to come up with plays to get to Jared Goff and kind of throw him off his rhythm because that's what Bill and Brian Flores do. They're very good at it. We saw him uh, do it against Patrick Mahomes. However, I have a lot of faith in Sean McVay as well to kind of come back and make adjustments and do that just like we saw Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes do in the second half when they came out flying for the Chiefs yet again. On the Edelman and uh, Roby Coleman thing, again, uh, just joking about him being a cheater. He was very open and honest about why he did it, and I don't blame him for for, uh, hitting Tommy Lee Lewis to to stop him from scoring a touchdown. That was a smart play. He did get lucky. I'm not getting the P.I., but let's let's stop dragging that up. I apologize about that. Uh, I do agree with you that Roby Coleman is one of the best slot cornerbacks in the league. I would imagine that Wade Phillips would have him manned up on Edelman most of the time because they have uh, like a key to leap who can kind of overshadow Gronk, uh, who I think is a very will be very good at covering Gronk as well and eliminating those two big threats. Then it'll come down to who's going to make the next big play for them. Uh, you know, will it be will Chris Hogan make an appearance? Will Cordero Patterson be able to do anything? Obviously, um, you know, I don't. I, me personally, a fan of Josh Gordon 
if he had been here in this game, I think he would be the clear game changer, in my opinion, going into this matchup. Uh, so they're going to have to find somebody else, I think, besides Edelman in this one. Because I, I don't think Roby Coleman will be able to completely shut him down because Josh McDaniels is such a good offensive mind. I do think they're going to find ways to scheme him to get onto a linebacker. And then we know, as we saw in the Chiefs game, he's going to eat. He's going to get his when he gets matched up against a linebacker. I don't see any of the linebackers on the Rams being able to slow down Julian Edelman, even be able to keep up with him. So with all that being said, as we both talked about the offensive and defensive lines, if you had to pick one offensive line going into this game that you had for years, if you had to pick one offensive line to win you this game, which one are you taking? You taking the Rams or are you taking the Patriots? Well, am I picking that, picking the offensive line to uh, not let my quarterback get hit or am I picking the offensive line to open up a hole and get me a yard and a half? Well, you know what? I'll go with not getting hit because I do think that that's going to be huge and the key to either one of these teams winning this game. So let's go that route. Well, I'm I'm going to pick the, the Patriots. Okay. And the reason is that when you look at – so if they start getting pressure on uh, Brady, then, then the Patriots are going to change how they attack and they're going right. to go to James White. James White has more receptions – uh, than any player on the field this coming Sunday. He led both teams in receptions. Not surprising. Year. And so that be, but he also only had an 8.6 yards per reception average. Uh-huh. So that means they were all quick. They were all short passes. Uh, but uh, it was what I think in the first round of the playoffs, uh, the Patriots, um, White had 15 catches for 97 yards. Correct. And I looked at that and I'm like, you know, it's the same as if he had 15 carries for 97 yards. That's right. all that was. West Coast offense, uh, screen those short passes are an extension of the off uh, running game. And the Patriots, while they may not run a true West Coast offense, that the they use James White in the passing game with him as an extension of that running game. And so, if I need to pick one line to give one quarterback time to make a throw to get a first down. I'm going to give it to the Patriots and to Brady because he's going to see he, he's great at reading the defense. He knows where he, he needs to go. Do I expect him to take his first sack of the postseason? Uh, yeah, I think he's going to get sacked. Do I think he's going to get sacked seven times? I don't think he's going to get sacked <laughs> yeah. seven times. He might get hit, but he's not going to get sacked. Uh Right, right. So I, I like the I like the odds. I think Brady is just a, such a technically good quarterback. This is going to be a great chess match. These are two teams that know how to adjust to what's going on, and they know how to adjust on the fly. So the play and the style we see in the first quarter could be very drastically different from what we see in the third and fourth quarter. They could be doing two completely different things. Right. So for me, I agree with everything you said, and just to go and be contrarian here, I'll take the Rams offensive line, uh, mostly just due to the fact that I think they're going to have to have the better game for them to win this game. Uh, I think they're going to have to do everything they can against this Patriots defensive line and linebackers to keep Jared Goff upright, especially if Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson struggle to get the ball going on the ground like they did against the Saints. Now, granted, the Saints defense, as we talked about prior to the game, best defense against the run 
for since literally a week 11 of last year they have not allowed a 100 yard rusher they did it again they held those guys under and I do think that that's going to be huge again this week I think that is something that the Patriots are going to focus on is trying to eliminate Todd Gurley and Aaron Donald we do know that the the whole mantra around Bill Belichick is he takes away your best player in every matchup well you could argue it's either going to be Todd Gurley or Aaron Donald so I imagine they're going to do their best to neutralize those two guys Uh, so I'll take the Rams offensive line to just do everything they can here I do think they are the better offensive line in all honesty as well with with what they've done in the running game Uh, they did obviously give up more sacks than the Patriots offensive line did this year but I just think they're the better offensive line uh, going into it so Moving on to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, As we talked about, both these defensive lines are obviously the better parts of these defenses, but what it's going to come down to more than likely, especially with both of these quarterbacks and uh, what they've done in the passing game this year, is the secondaries. Will the secondaries be able to slow down either one of these quarterbacks? Which secondary do you think has the better chance of making a big play that could end up turning the game? Maybe a big turnover, interception, forced fumble. Which defensive secondary are you taking? You know, this is this one comes to me comes down to I, I think as a whole the Rams have the better cornerbacks. I think Talib Coleman, Roby Coleman, and Peters are still all good, really good cornerbacks. Uh-huh. Uh, I think Stephon Gilmer Gilmore is the best cornerback in the game. Agree. Uh, I think I read this week that the, he's only given up like. Uh, 46% catch rate or 48% catch rate this season. Yeah, I believe it's 48. And so when when I look when I look at that, I know either Woods or Cooks is, is going to be taken out of the game there. Right. They they may catch a couple passes, but I, I think one of them is going to be taken out of the game. Now Woods spent his first four years of his career in Buffalo, and, and had to play the Patriots twice a year for four years. Uh-huh. Bill Belichick is familiar. Brian Flores has been with the Patriots since 2004. They're familiar with what Robert Woods can do. Uh, Brandon Cook spent last year playing for the Patriots. <laughs> right. They know the ins and outs of what he can do. So I expect that they're, both of them are going to have some struggles. Okay. Uh, one of them, I think, will get taken completely out of the game, and the other one is gonna gonna have have a, a tough day, as well. Um, but I think that you know Chris Hogan is is not a special player, and Anthony Dorsett or uh, Philip Dorsett is not a special player. Uh, so it comes down to Edelman, um, Gronk. I think he's shown he's he's not terribly special anymore. So it, it's it's. I think that the Patriots don't quite have the firepower that they're used to having. Uh-huh. Um, they're a solid team. Uh, it's going to be—I think it's going to be a tough game. But on the in the the backfields, I'm going to take the Patriots. I think they're going to they're going to give uh, the Rams receivers a little bit tougher time. All right. So for me. So I agree with you. Uh, if I had to choose one or the other, I would take the Rams secondary uh, based on who they have. Um, I, I do think that. Uh, 
The McCourty brothers, though, are not that bad. Uh, I don't, I, I don't want to short Devin McCourty because I think he's actually been a very good uh, safety uh, throughout his time at New England. I think he's actually been with him his entire career. Uh, obviously, I'm also a big fan of Jason McCourty. He had a really good year with the Browns last year for the first start of the season. He was actually like one of the best-ranked defensive players uh, until he got suffered a little bit of an injury uh, and then struggled with the Browns in the second half. But I, I don't think McCourty should be overlooked because I think he's very good. Uh, but I agree with you. I just I think this uh, the the Rams secondary is just so good, and I do think as we just talked about, Roby Coleman will be able to slow down Julian Edelman a little bit, and without the Patriots having that other really big play receiver. I think that without Tom Brady being able to get to Edelman, if they're not able to, it's going to limit that offensive some. Now maybe they'll just go and lean on James White like you were just talking about, and we all know how explosive he can be, especially in the playoffs. I I feel like James White, you know, he was obviously very good at the beginning of this year, but for the most part, it seems like doesn't show up until January and February hits on the calendar, and then he obviously all of a sudden turns into like the best running back in the league. Uh, So for me, I agree with you. I take the Rams, um, but I would not slight the Patriots secondary that much because I don't think they're that much worse. But I do think that the Rams secondary has uh, the better chance of making the big play here. Uh, a little stat that you actually uh, kind of fed me here was that uh, both teams have 18 interceptions, but the Rams did it on 70 fewer attempts, which I don't think should be overlooked. And I think that leans right into what you were talking about with how good those guys look. So as uh, before, actually, I was going to jump into a little segment here that I wanted to do, but... Let's talk about the experience versus the youth of this team. So, interestingly enough, I was uh, listening to the radio this morning, and we all know that this is, you know, Tom Brady feels like he's been in the Super Bowl every year now. The Rams' entire team does not even add up to how many Super Bowls Tom Brady himself has been to, not counting the fact that most of this team has been together uh, for at least the past two Super Bowls, some the past three. So the Patriots come in with a ton of experience in the Super Bowl where the Rams do not. How much do you think that affects this game moving forward, just from a player standpoint, and then we'll touch on the coaches? Well, you know, experience does count. And being able to handle the big stage. But the NFL is a pretty exclusive club. And so to be in the NFL, you're one of the best athletes in the world. Right. And you trained. You're physically and mentally strong. Uh, I was looking at it today. I think 27 of 52 Super Bowls have been won by first-time quarterbacks. Uh-huh. And so, you know... It's, it's one of those things you, you don't know until you get there. I think these are two pretty evenly matched teams. Both of them have a lot of good things going for them. They both react well to adversity. Uh, they both make adjustments. You know, Belichick is a very experienced coach. His defensive coordinator, uh, while being with the team a long time, doesn't have a ton of experience as a coordinator. Josh McDaniels has been to a few Super Bowls uh, with the Patriots. He's he's a very good coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Wade Phillips has been around for a long, long time, coaching excellent defenses. Yes, he and is. Sean McVay just doesn't you – know, no situation seems too big for him. And so I think the youth versus experience, some of the players are going to get – they're going to be nervous. Uh, but once you get hit a couple times – uh, then the nerves kind of wear off and you, you refocus. So they're going to get out there. They're going to take a couple pops. 
uh, everybody will get focused, and then I think we're in for a real good game. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, for me, the only reason I wanted to touch on that is because I know that the Super Bowl is obviously its own thing. You'll hear players talk about the fact that, you know, for the most part, when you're going into a game, even NFC, AFC championship games, you go out, you do your warm-ups and everything, then you go back, you're in the locker room for like 5, 10 minutes, 15 at the most. Then you come out and you're playing your game. We're in the Super Bowl due to everything that goes on because it is the NFL's biggest show of the year. It's, you know, for most people, the best day of the year. Uh, They would argue with the Super Bowl, uh, and it's such a big game that it is. The players go in and they sit for 40 minutes. And then the same thing for halftime. Most halftimes you're looking at 10 to 15 minutes max, and then you're back out there. Same thing for the Super Bowl. You're you're sitting there halftime for 30, 40 minutes at a time. So it completely changes everything. The Patriots are used to that. They know how to do everything. The one thing I'll argue, um, and I've kind of been arguing with people all week and talking about the Rams don't have the experience. I think that they kind of earned it last week against New Orleans. They went in there against New Orleans in that home stadium where you saw they were completely rattled in the first half of that game. They couldn't hear themselves. You had Jared Goff holding his ears. He ended up having to get a new t- a new helmet with taped up ear holes so that he could hear Sean McVay. And they overcame it. That defense stayed in the game. They were able to overcome everything, came out, and ended up winning that game. And I think that experience alone is going to help them moving into this game because of exactly what you said. I think, yeah, I'm sure they'll come out a little bit nervous at the first in the first couple minutes. But once you get that hit, you're going to turn it around. I think Sean McVay has shown a lot for me. Um, obviously, Wade Phillips, as you were just talking about, he's been around for a long time. And yeah, he may not have been in as many Super Bowls as Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels and Brian Flores and all these guys. Uh, but I would trust Wade Phillips. I think that he'll have his defense out ready to go. And I don't think it's going to take long long for Sean McVay to, to adjust to anything that the, the Patriots are doing. In fact, I think that it actually gives him not more of an advantage than Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, but it gives him just as much of an advantage as those guys uh, when it goes into halftime. If they are sitting again for 30, 40 minutes, Josh, uh, Josh, Sean McVay is going to be able to scheme up some new stuff to attack that Patriots defense if their offense isn't working there in the first half. So now I want to get into that either-or thing that I was talking about at the start of the podcast. So we're going to talk about a couple guys from each team that we would have either or or. Which guy would you rather have to possibly be the game changer in these matchups? We're going to start with the Rams. Might seem pretty easy with this first one, but with what we've seen so far in this postseason, you may want to lead toward one other guy. So who would you rather have? Would you rather have Gurley or would you rather have C.J. Anderson? I'm taking Gurley. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I I feel like he's been dinged up. He hasn't played well. Yes, Anderson has been doing well, but I think Gurley's going to come out and he's going he's gonna to have a 20 for 100 yard, 20 plus carries for 100 yards. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I just I felt like it did need to be mentioned though, um, because something that you actually talked about, I believe, it was on Monday. It may have been Monday or last. No, it had to have been Monday's podcast because we were breaking down the uh, games. No, it was uh, last week's. I'm sorry. Uh, for keep forgetting that we had to wait for a Pro Bowl. So, anyways, uh, you talked about how you you're not worried about, or you are worried about the fact that if Gurley comes out and struggles a little bit due to the injury, that you know Sean McVay, because he showed it, has no fear of putting C.J. Anderson in. And I do think that Anderson is going to get a fair amount of run here. He's just looked so good. And in all honesty, he's someone I'm interested to talk about here with you more in the off season because I think he's going to end up on a new team again with what he's shown so far in the postseason, but I agree with you 100%. It's got to be Gurley. Um, I hate
hate this narrative of some people talking about how he just can't do it uh, in the big game here. I think people have just forgotten what he did against Dallas here in the first round of the playoffs for him. I only ran for over a, a hundred plus yards on him and would just looked amazing. Uh, so I agree with you. I think no. it's the injury. I think he'll be fine. Us old folks have a saying, you know, you dance with the one that brung you. Right. And Gurley got him here. He uh, he, he might have uh, had a couple off games, uh, some due to injury, missed some games because of the injury. But Gurley's had a phenomenal season, and he's the stud running back there. He's the one that got you there. You know, you put your boots on and you go dance with him. I agree with you 100%. So, we're going to go on to the wide receivers now. As you were touching uh, on when we were talking about the secondaries, Brandon Cooks played in New England last year, had a very good year in New England last year, actually hated the fact that he got knocked out in the Super Bowl against the Eagles uh, on that vicious hit. Uh, would have loved to see him play out the entire game. Now he's got his chance. Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily this is a revenge game for Cooks because I don't think his exit out of New England was quite as awkward as it was out of New Orleans. I felt he probably wanted to win or maybe not win more. He probably wants to win this game more, obviously, because he wants to win himself a Super Bowl. Uh, but I think that he probably had more ill will toward the Saints than the Patriots. But the Patriots do know him. And as you touched on, Robert Woods, four years in Buffalo, Bill Belichick and Brian Flores, very familiar with him. Played him twice a year for those for that entire four years he was there. If you had to pick either or, which one are you taking to have the bigger game in this matchup? Which one's Gilmore covering? I would assume because I'm taking, I'm going to take the other one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I think Gilmore will probably be on Cooks. So uh, I think Woods has that intermediate game. Uh, he can get down the field. So uh, I I would go. I I think Cooks will have the better, or excuse me, Woods will have the better game here. Gotcha. All right. So what I'm going to do actually, we didn't even talk about this, but uh, I'm actually going to, if we disagree on ones, I just want to see if. Uh, we're, if we'll go different and who ends up winning it just for fun, just to see if we have any difference. Obviously, we both went girly, but if we're very strong on somebody else, I just kind of want to see. Um, and I agree with you on Woods, though. Uh, I think he's a little bit more dynamic. We've seen Sean McVay use him in the running game as well. He'll come around and catch a pitch on a reverse or anything like that and do different stuff. But I'm going to take Cooks. Uh, I do believe, uh, I think we both agree that Stephon Gilmore is likely going to be on Cooks. He's, I don't want to say the better wide receiver, but I think he's got a little bit more clout than Robert Woods. Uh, so I do think he'll be on Cooks for the most part. But I think Sean McVay is going to do something to kind of get him off Cooks at some point, And Cooks is going to make the big play to end up winning them this game. All right, so now for the tight end. So we haven't seen much, obviously, from the Patri- uh, Patriots, the, the the Rams tight ends really all season long. Do you think or, that— Or the Patriots, for that matter. Well, yeah, that's true. You got a good point, actually. Uh, can Tyler Higby or Gerald Everett produce or do anything in this game? Would you either or pick either one of them, or I'll give you the option of neither in this case? Well, I, I think if L.A. is going to win, one of them is going to have to step up. Okay. And, uh, you know, they they're both— they're, they're pretty solid tight ends and you know Everett's pretty athletic he he's almost he almost matched Ingram when it came to athletic measurables at the combine you know he ran a four six I think uh, in his 40 and uh, we saw him earlier this this off se- or this uh, playoff season make uh-huh. a nice play down the sideline for a touchdown so Everett's a, a pretty solid guy Higby. You know, he's, uh, you know, it's kind of like 
this is the NFL version of Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson. So it's kind of, you know, what do you, which one do you want? How are you going to go? Which ones, you know, Higby, I think, uh, gets more snaps because he's a better blocker. Um, Everett sometimes goes off the field uh, when they go with three wide receivers and bring in Josh Reynolds. So, but Higby stays out there in in those situations. So I think if I'm going to, if I'm going to roll the dice on one of them scoring a touchdown, uh, I'm going to go with Higby because I think he's going to be out there more. Uh, I would take Gerald Everett, actually. I think he's just a better tight end. Uh, I honestly don't think uh, either one of them is going to do much. I do agree with you that I think one of them is going to have to do something here to help win because the Patriots can do everything they can to slow down Cooks and Woods. Obviously, if Cooper Cup was in this game, I think it'd be a completely different story, uh, but they're going to have to lean on one of these guys. So I'm going to take Gerald Everett just because uh, I like him better. I think he's going to make a he's a better matchup, in my opinion. I think he's got a better chance of making a big play. Moving on to the Pats. Obviously, we've talked about their biggest weapons. Tom Brady's favorite weapons over the past few years has been Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski. Probably going to be a fairly easy uh, choice for you here, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Either or, Julian Edelman or Robert Gronkowski. Uh, I'm going Edelman. Okay. I think he's going to have one. He, he's going to lead the team in targets, uh, probably be up there around 90 to 100 yards. Uh, well, I don't know. I take that back as I look at James White's name right below him. Uh, you know, he White could lead the team in targets. But between Gronk and Edelman, I'm going to go with Edelman. Okay. I'm going to take Gronk, and I'm only taking Gronk because I think this is it. I really think that this is going to be his final game with the Patriots. Uh, all the rumors coming out about him, I don't believe he wants to go into wrestling because I think that can honestly be just as hard of a toll on your body as the NFL is. Uh, I know I know uh, it's obviously fake and everything, but the amount of work and everything those guys put into that is no joke. Um but I do think he does want to move into movies, uh, like a lot of the rumors are saying that he does. Uh, so I think that when it comes down to it, um, whether th- I know the Patriots really don't do this, but I do think that Brady is going to, at times, try and force-feed him the ball. I do think that a keep to Lee being on him, not quite as big as Gronk. I do think Gronk's going to have some opportunities to make some big plays, score a touchdown here. Uh, I like Gronk to make a lasting and final impact in closing out his chapter and tenure uh, with the New England Patriots. Let's See, I don't think Brady cares if it's Gronk's last game or not. He, well, he Brady thinks you better be open or you better be open enough and still be able to catch the ball because, uh, uh, you know, there there's a what, – what was that uh, just came out last week where one of the linebackers back 10, 12, 15 years ago – was crying because he didn't get selected to the Pro Bowl yeah. or something. Brady said he Brady doesn't. Brady walked up to him and said, "I don't, I don't play this shit for Pro Bowls." Yeah, yeah. You know, so I don't, Brady wants to win, and if Gronk, he, he isn't going to force it to Gronk. He if it if it happens, it happens, but he's not going to force it. Maybe not, but I think it's going to happen. So moving on to All the right. running backs, and this one, I think we're both going to uh, both going to agree on. Either or, James White, Sony Michelle. You know, it's so game script dependent uh-huh. because they they're they both have very very specific roles. You know, if White's on there out there, they they pass the ball seventy plus percent of the time. If Michelle's out there, they run the ball seventy plus percent of the time. And so, 
if they're, uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's all game script dependent here. Uh, I guess I'm going to go white because I think it's going to be a close game. And they're going to have be having to score points. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think it's going to be white just based on what we talked about with the defensive lines. I do think that uh, Wade Phillips is going to be able to dial up enough defensive plays to get Aaron Donald or Sue or Barron, the linebacker, one of those guys to uh, make a move and try and get to Brady. As we talked about, that's the way that they're going to Try, they're going to have to win this game by getting to Brady. Maybe not hitting him, sacking him, uh, but getting to him, pressuring him, making him force the ball. And I think that's where he's going to lean into White and use him uh, in that quick passing game like you were talking about back in the first game that they played against the Chargers, how they neutralized uh, Gordon and Bosa. And I think that, or I'm sorry, Ingram, Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, which I would say is right up there with Endomic and Sue and Aaron Donald. Obviously, Aaron Donald being the best out of all those guys, but I think Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa are better than Sue. So I think the best way to neutralize an attacking front like that is doing exactly what they did against the Chargers and utilizing White the way they did. So I'm going to go with White. I don't think Michelle has a bad game, uh, but uh, you know he's been obviously going off here the past couple games, scoring multiple touchdowns, 100-plus yards. He's been ridiculous, but I think this is going to end up being a James White game. Last but not least for our either-or and for the Patriots, and this one just kind of a fun one, uh, really obviously two, um, not, I don't want to say obscure, but guys that are not uh, very high up on the Patriots' uh, depth chart and making plays and everything. We did see one of these guys score the game-winning touchdown uh, last uh, two weeks ago against the Chiefs. But if you had to choose one of these guys to make one huge play, that whether it extends the drive that ends up allowing the Patriots to win or maybe scoring some big touchdown to tie it, Rex Burkhead or Chris Hogan? Is there a C? Yeah, I mean, we can add Cordero Patterson in there no, if you like. No, I'm kidding. No, I, you know, it, it's a it's a tough choice because with Bill Belichick, he could come out and it could be Burkhead carrying the ball 20 times because Burkhead is the best combination of Michelle's running and White's passing. Uh-huh. So you, you never know if all of a sudden it's going to end up with Burkhead playing – 70% of the snaps because then he keeps the the ram the, the rams don't know what's coming because they know Burkhead can get 3.8 yards and they know Burkhead can catch passes and pick up the pick up the uh the blitzers um but I think if I had to choose one of them to to be a surprise uh, I'm going to put it on Hogan they're they're going to take a couple shots you bastard. And I'm going to say Hogan's going to pull one of them in. You know, Burkhead might have seven or eight touches, uh-huh. uh, nine touches. Hogan might only have three targets, but I could see Hogan with one of those one one catch on three targets for 77 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I was wanting to go opposite of you because I was really thinking you were going to take Burkhead, but I'm going Hogan too. I think uh, – we, we forget how good he was last year. He was a top 15 wide receiver, I believe, through like week 10 of the 2017 season, not 2018. Obviously, he was horrible this year. Uh, but that's why so many people were high on him this year. He got overdrafted in many people's opinions this year based on what he did in 2017. Uh, he's still good. He has not forgotten how to play football over this year. Uh, just kind of, I think, was underutilized with Josh Gordon being there um, and the way that they've really committed to running the ball. But I agree with you. I think Hogan 
Hogan is going to make one key play, one huge play in this one, whether it's a huge touchdown reception or does something to kind of seal this game or help them win this game. Uh, I'm going to go Hogan as well. So that's it for either or. We've broken down all the storylines. This is it. Before we close out the podcast, since we're not doing another one before the game, your pick. Give me the score that you think it's going to – or you don't have to give me a score. I, I know we've talked about this before. You're, you don't really like to do the predictions sometimes. So if you want to give a score, great. If not, no big deal. But who are you picking to win this Super Bowl? I'm going to take the Patriots. Okay. I, I just – I love dynasties. I love it when, uh, you know, teams are great. Patriots have been to nine Super Bowls in 18 years. And, you know, I'd like to see him win another one. All right. I – I don't see. It's hard for me to say. I hate that. I, I don't want to say that I like dynasties. I respect what pay, what Bill and Tom Brady have been able to do. I don't necessarily like it. Um, I don't hate it as much as other people, mostly because as being a Browns fan, it's not like the Patriots have really stopped my Browns from doing anything in the playoffs or making the Super Bowl. So there's really no reason for me to hate them. I don't really have another, not a fan of any other AFC team. Uh, really the only other team I kind of root for is the Carolina Panthers, only because that's my, my youngest brother's. He's a huge fan of the Panthers, so I like to see them do well because I like him to be happy. Uh, so that being said, don't hate the Patriots, um, but I'd like to see the Rams win it, and that's who I'm going to pick to win it. I think overall they have the better team. Uh, they don't have the better quarterback or the better coach, which might be the reason why the Patriots win it because for the longest time they've had the better quarterback and better coach going into this game. Uh, but I think overall talent-wise, defense and offensively, the Rams have the better team. I love Sean McVay. I'd love to see him become the youngest head coach to win a Super Bowl. So I'm going to take the Rams to win it. Um, again, I know we both think it's going to be a really good game, and I, I really cannot wait uh, for it to get here, can't wait to watch it, um, and then really can't wait to break it down with you on Monday. So thank you so much for joining me again today, uh, Thursday. Uh, we'll hope to have this podcast up as quick as possible. Uh, again, guys, as I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, I will have the Thrive link to get you guys double down on your deposits uh, linked in with the tweet here. I'll tweet it out as soon as the podcast is up and ready to go. Dennis always retweets it uh, whenever it goes up, so look for his retweet as well, and make sure to click on that link if you guys want to jump in and do any of the betting, uh, in-game bets, prop bets, anything with the game. It'll all be in there. Dennis, thank you so much. Stay warm up there in Ohio. Have yourself a good weekend and enjoy the game, and I will talk to you again on Monday. Right on. Go Pats. Well, go Rams. <laughs> Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall line ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle in the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can't. Who can make a play? I can't!